Did you know that nearly one in five people don't actually know the home buying process? Well, now you do. And since I'm sure that ratio surprised you like it did me, I'm going to talk about the home buying process in Michigan right now. Welcome to the Real Estate in Michigan audio experience podcast with your host and local real estate professional, Andrew McManaman. As many of you may know, I help people relocate in and out of the great state of Michigan, and I've noticed a pretty consistent question with every single person I've helped over the years, whether they are buying their first home, second home, or even their forever home. They ask, so how does this process work? So I figured I would take some time and go step by step with my process, and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to be your go-to resource. If you're someone relocating here, there's of course the need to know how the market's doing, maybe buying a home site unseen if that's the option you go, figuring out your Michigan lifestyle, or even just getting a sense of all the areas out there to live. And if that's the case, I have linked several of those videos below because that's exactly the type of videos I put out on a weekly basis. This one in particular will be more loosely geared toward what the heck am I supposed to do? Great question. Let's say you're someone who's got some money burning holes in your pocket, you're moving here for family, work, or just the overall beauty this state has. I don't blame you. Or maybe your state just has a yucky cost of living and Michigan hit your radar, which I also don't blame you. The first step to this process is to ask yourself, are you ready for this next step? This question isn't fully referring to the financial aspect of things, but the emotional and physical aspects too. You might be wondering, what are you even talking about, Andrew? And to be honest, that's fair because I probably wouldn't have brought that up if I didn't see it firsthand. I have had people reach out to me on impulse to move to Michigan without another thought. I've had people reach out to me that I could sense wasn't the decision they actually wanted to make or pursue. And that's why I asked the loaded question, are you ready? Take some time to really think that through what are you needing to make that decision more sound? Why are you wanting to relocate in the first place? If it's just because you see this cool guy on a video and think, wow, there's some sweet people in Michigan, think again because I am one of a kind. In all seriousness, just make sure this decision is sound. I wouldn't want you to come over here with my help just to text me months later and say you made a mistake. That would just be horrible. After you have decided this decision is right for you, it's time to get those ducks in a row. You'll need to make sure your finances are in order and you chat with the preferred or recommended mortgage professional to help you understand what you can afford and what you can do to increase that affordability if that's something you want to do. This process is often looked at as very intimidating. Maybe you have never met this mortgage person before and they are requesting your social security number, credit, work history, tax information, firstborn child, etc. And it feels like they are invading your personal space without a breath mint. And I hear you, but understand that the more information you provide, the more they can assure you, you can afford what you can afford. And there's not a concern of not being able to pay for the home. It's very important that you do your due diligence and choose a lender that works best for you. I have linked a few of my preferred lenders in the description below to give you some trusted professionals. My clients have used them, I have used them, and so has my family, so I can assure you they aren't about to take your bank account numbers and buy a Lamborghini because I'm sure that's how much you have in your bank account, right? After the mortgage professional issues you a pre-approval letter after collecting all your personal documentation and working out any budgetary concerns, they create this letter that states your name, what your loan amount is, and how much money you are wanting to put as a down payment on the home. This is submitted with an offer on a home to a listing agent to show that you can actually afford what you're putting an offer in on. 
So you've got your pre-approval letter in hand. Now it's time to get that home search going, chatting with an agent like myself to set up a home search in a portal so you can get notified every time a new home hits the market, favoriting and deleting homes as they come in and as they go. Then you come across a home you love. So you send that address my way. I will take a look at it, give you my thoughts and opinions on the price and the condition of the home based on the seller disclosures I will provide for you, of course. Once that step is satisfied and there are no red flags pushing you away, we find a time to view the home in person together. If you're out of state and are in a hurry to view the home, be sure to watch my video about buying a home sight unseen, which I have linked in the description. Once we agree on a date and time that works for us both, we meet at the home and take a look at the home's interior and exterior along with any outbuildings, sheds, or garages. More times than not, people will start talking about where they will put their couches, chairs, and furnitures throughout the home while looking out for any red flags in which you can lean on your agent to point out any areas of concern that may bring up you know, some questions. But understand that despite the amount of issues and homes a real estate professional has seen over the years, they are not a home inspector and this showing should never be seen to cover that part of the transaction. So let's say you loved the home and you wanna put an offer in on it, now what? There's a few things and questions to ask prior to doing so. First, your agent needs to call the listing agent and get the inside scoop on the current offer situation, as well as anything the seller would be expecting or wanting in an offer. In this housing market, it's been very much in the seller's favor, so unfortunately, buyers are having to be flexible in different ways to offer sellers an incentive to accept their offers, which is sad, but it's the truth. Especially when demand is so high and supply is so low. If you wanna know what flexibility you need to get an offer accepted in Michigan, I will link a video I just made about five strategies to get your offer accepted, so be sure to add that to your queue. Now I wanna explain what an offer is because I feel like I don't see anyone do that these days and buyers are oftentimes misinformed about the process and say, okay, let's put an offer like it's some quick phone call and a handshake. And it is to a certain extent, but there's a lot of paperwork in between all of that. Outside of the question asked the listing agent and the strategies to get an offer accepted, there's also first and foremost, the need to circle back to your lender and provide them the address so they can make up a quick little worksheet to give you some insight on what the home will cost you along with the tax information that is very, very, very important. And if you're not familiar with how property taxes work here in Michigan, I'll link yet another video I created with a Michigan tax assessor talking about all that and more. It's very important to do this step of the transaction because once ownership transfers, the taxes increase drastically. And if you aren't made aware of that and you're just basing everything off of what Zillow says, you may have an affordability issue down the road. So moving forward, referring back to the paperwork that needs to happen to submit an offer, I'll briefly break down the forms involved along with a quick explanation of what they are. Keep in mind that in this day and age, offers are signed electronically and when you have questions or issues, you can call or FaceTime your agent anytime and they should be more than willing to help you out. Firstly, we have the purchase agreement which outlines all the terms of the offer such as the price, what's included in the home, down payment, inspections, possession, personal requests or addendums along with the earnest money deposit amount which is typically one to three percent of the purchase price i stated the earnest money deposit last to touch on it a little more i have worked with enough out-of-state clients to know this process can be a little different there than it is here we have one initial deposit made when an offer is accepted this just tells the seller that you're serious about purchasing the home and that you're willing to put forth some cash now to show them that 
When closing time rolls around, these funds are credited to your closing costs, which is something you have to pay for anyway. But understand that if you back out of this home purchase for no reason, you have the ability to lose this deposit. It must be within a contingency period, such as a home inspection, appraisal, or simply the inability to obtain financing, which I'll touch on a little bit more going forward. The next documents are the seller's disclosure and the lead-based paint disclosure. These are typically three to five pages in length and filled out by the seller of the home, indicating the condition of the home, whether the roof has leaked, the basement is flooded, or they changed up the insulation and they know what was put in the walls. This would be all disclosed on this document. It touches on whether or not certain items are working in the home or not, from the appliances, water heater and AC, to the hot tub and attic fan. That would be all put up on here. So just a quick tip though for the future, if you plan to sell the home, keep records of every change and repair you make because when that time comes, the more you disclose, the less a buyer will nickel and dime you when the inspection rolls around because the price of the home would reflect all the issues and changes that have been made over the years of your ownership. The lead-based paint disclosure, however, only pertains to homes built before 1978, as that was a paint type that was used back then and it's hazardous. So a seller would need to disclose whether they know about it or not. The next documents are the disclosures for real estate agency relationships and the exclusive buyer agency contract. The agency relationship document just states that you are the buyer and I am the buyer's agent and we have this relationship in writing that just discloses that. The exclusive buyer agency contract contract is a little bit more in depth and states that you'll be solely using me as your agent until a certain point, but if we don't jibe, then of course we, we void the contract. We aren't holding anyone against their will here. You either like working with me or you don't, no hard feelings. Next, you'll probably sign a document about wire fraud and how you should call to confirm the instructions before sending over thousands of dollars just to have it intercepted by a hacker, as well as a document about electing a title company, which I know several and have worked with several that do amazing work. And then what you would do is you would tack on that a pre-approval letter and then we submit all this other documentation over to the listing agent and once it's accepted it is off to the races when your offer is accepted it can feel a little overwhelming because you'll not only have to whip out the checkbook for the earnest money deposit or obtain the wire instructions to send the funds you'll also need to get a home inspection on your calendar within the next five seven or ten days which i myself schedule for all my clients as well as begin to receive and answer requests to formally start that mortgage process of yours. Obtaining your pre-approval letter is just saying, okay, this person makes X amount and they have some good job history and credit so they can afford Y amount. But after an offer is accepted, it takes an even deeper dive into your finances, verifies your employment with your company's HR, along with providing any additional documentation to help get your home financed. And then we have inspection day that rolls around and you can either attend it or not. I always attend my clients' home inspections and relay any questions or concerns you might have, but also be another set of eyes for your sake. Once the home inspection is completed, you are either satisfied with the findings or you're not, depending on how you structured your offer, of course. If there are some items that are big red flags, decide if it's something you should back out of the transaction for, or try to chat with the listing agent and seller with your agent to see if they'd be willing to do any repairs or give you some money to make those repairs. In this crazy housing market, sellers are not very open to making or paying for repairs unless it's something huge they didn't even know about. But most times, they will say they aren't willing and you'll back out and they'll sift through the other three to five offers they received and proceed with the other one instead. Once agreements are made, 
and things are satisfied, I would let the mortgage professional know and they would work to get the appraisal scheduled. And if you don't know what that is, that's an individual who goes out to the home and values it based on comparable sales, features, and other characteristics. This person determines the market value of your home and how much a mortgage lender is willing to give you to purchase that home. Let's say the home is $250,000, but this person prices it at $225,000. That would mean the mortgage lender will only give you a loan to satisfy the $225,000, not $250,000. At that point, three things could happen. One, the seller lowers their list price to that point and you proceed as normal. Two, they don't want to lower it that much and you love the home too much, so you meet in the middle paying X amount out of pocket while they lower the price to another amount. And three, they say they won't lower it at all. You can't proceed, you back out, they work with another offer. Once that process is satisfied, let's just say you had a meeting of the minds, you begin the conditional approval stage where the lender may request for even more documentation, verify your employment, like I said, and have you get homeowner's insurance quote because part of your closing costs will be a one-year homeowner's insurance premium. Once that lender has everything they need to get your financing and you didn't just buy a new car before closing to ruin that, you can then schedule closing. But before I touch on closing day, I want to circle back to purchasing things before closing day. I know you want a new car in your new driveway, new appliances and those two to $3,000 couches you can mix and match or whatever they do. But listen to my words, do not do that. Unless you have this crazy amount of funds and you chatted with your mortgage professional to get the okay, save the purchases for after because if you buy that new car and take on a new payment right before closing, chances are you will not be able to get that home. It may seem obvious to some, but I promise you it's not too many. Now, we schedule a closing date and once that date is in place, we can chat about transferring utilities, electric, gas, etc., change of address forms, and what you need to bring with closing and what you need to do after closing. At closing, if you are doing it in person, you will need to bring two forms of ID and a hand ready to get some arthritis after all the signing you are about to do. Traditionally, closing consists of a title representative or closer from the title company you or I choose, a title representative or closer on the seller's side, which they choose, and then both the listing agent and the buyer's agent as well as the mortgage lender on occasion. Once you sign all the documents, the title company will print the documents for everyone, put them in their envelopes, and you'll get some keys in your hands for your new home. They'll mention to you that there are a couple documents in there, the principal residence exemption form and a property affidavit in which you will need to bring to your local city hall to get them stamped and recorded within 45 days, stating that this home is yours and it's your primary residence. And that's more so for the principal residence exemption, but I just tell them to take everything they have and get that recorded. If you don't do that, you will be faced with a ton of fees after those 45 days and your taxes will be much more expensive since it won't be your primary residence and you won't get that exemption. Since landlords and people with multiple houses are taxed more when it's not their primary home. That was a quick and brief roadmap to purchasing a home in Michigan for those of you that may have not really had an idea of how the process works. For those of you that have made it this far, I just wanted to give you a special gift, and that is a home buyer's guide to outline not only what I mentioned in this video, but a lot more as well, which I have linked below for you. Thank you as always for listening to my podcast. If you would follow, subscribe, and leave a five-star review on the platform you listen to this on, I would greatly appreciate it. Stay tuned for the next episode.